never reach me Were some guys who were preacher fans The only dudes who could ever teach me Were some guys who were preacher fans Yes, they were They were Oh, yes, they were That's a podcast theme right there Welcome to Preacher Men, a podcast about AMC's show Preacher. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. And Pete is still off this episode on his religious retreat. Uh, Hopefully he's really communing with nature, God, and learning about nature and God. Is that a thing that people do? I I don't actually know how religious retreats work. Uh, he, he's just, uh, yeah, he's communing. He's trying to find, um, God in a lot of mysterious places, like, um, mm-hmm. under a mm-hmm. rock, um, at the bottom of his mashed potatoes. Um, <laughs> I think he's going to be really, he's learning a lot. He's going to come back with the, with the Genesis. Yeah. I should probably specify as, uh, as a Jew, we're very familiar with the concept of concept of retreating religiously, but not quite as much as religious retreats. <laughs> wow! Very like strong commentary coming out of the yeah. gate. I like yeah, it. Hot takes. Take that, Only take hot world. takes on this episode. <laughs> uh, well, this is. I'm excited to talk about this. We're going to be talking about the sixth episode overall, Sundowner, um, which is one of my favorite episodes of the first season, particularly for one sequence, which we'll get to in a moment. But a lot of huge stuff across the board happens in this episode. Uh, Justin, you're coming into the show clean. You haven't read the comics. You haven't watched it before. So this had to be a pretty big one for you, right? Yeah, this is a great episode. I'm a newborn babe in the world of Preacher. <laughs> I'm just looking to get spanked on the butt and baptized. And this show is doing it. Uh, nice. You can put that on the DVD box. Cool. Probably the only thing you really need to know for this episode. Actually, there's a couple of things you need to know, but uh, Jesse is a preacher. He has an entity inside of him that is giving him the power to command people. Uh, There are two angels named DeBlanc and Fiore. I think I got their names right. uh, Who have been tracking him down and trying to put his entity in a coffee can to put it back in its place. Uh, Also, there's a vampire named Cassidy who's best friends with Jesse and Jesse's ex-girlfriend, Tulip. They slept together last episode, um, though they both don't know about their connection to uh, Jesse. And also, just as a very minor thing, there's a guy named Odin Kincannon who's the most powerful businessman in town because of side effects, we think, of Jesse's power. He ended up killing four people last episode. So that kind of plays through a little bit. Uh, I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah. Anything else people need to know? That's good. Uh, Did you mention Eugene? Oh yeah. There's a guy named Eugene who shot himself in the face, survived, has a new terrible looking face. So everybody calls him Arseface, or at least once they called him Arseface kind of on the show though they call him that in the comic book. And, uh, yeah, he's a he's a generally pretty happy guy. He really made the best of a tricky situation. Yeah, well, let's talk about the big revelations right at the beginning. So the cliffhanger at the end of the episode was the angels telling Jesse, who's been uber confident the last two episodes, that the power inside of him is not God. And we find out exactly what that power is. Now, you've had a lot of guesses. How did you feel about the eventual reveal, Justin? Uh, it's sort of a vague reveal because what they say is it's called Genesis and it's uh, 
the product of two of an angel and a demon, like having a relationship. It's like a, mm-hmm. a child of an angel and a, and a demon, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. That's weird. Uh, and what does that mean? Does it have a, a consciousness, a personality? Is, well, is it going well, to take over Jesse? Like, I don't know. It, the fact that it is a, an offspring made me, was caught me off guard. Yeah, it's like the band Offspring. You just don't know what's up until you listen to their songs. Oh, yeah, man. Totally cool. Uh, I They had a song that's really short. That's all I remember. Offspring? Yeah. Or Genesis? Genesis uh, is the band by Phil Collins, so that's a different thing. Yes. I feel like not a lot of people mix up those two bands. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, wait, what was uh, Offspring's big song? What was uh it was the one like la da 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 yeah that's it uh, uh, but, so yeah it's like that oh cool well that's that's definitely in my head and in my body and i hope yeah. some angels come and take that song right out of my head well I, I think the big thing here i mean there's more stuff to play down the road with all of this depending on what direction they go with the tv show certainly in the book what Genesis is, how Genesis was created, and what it means that Genesis was created is something that is a big part of the comic. But as it is here, I think the biggest thing is that Jesse has this thing inside of him. It is not the voice of God. It is not the word of God. It's something else. So what does that mean for him? What does that mean for how he is struggling with his faith going forward? Um, And the big decision he makes, this is jumping ahead a little bit, is he doesn't want to give up Genesis right now. He wants to keep on it. So he wants to like take it as big as he can. Yeah. He wants to take it to the limit one more time. I guess he's just a sucker with low self-esteem. Oh, I see what you did there. So Uh, I see what you did there. I see what we did. (laughs) Uh, That said though, this leads to uh, what I would argue is my favorite, favorite sequence in the entire first season of the show which is uh, not not an angel well in a type of angel a seraphim comes down to get back genesis and we were introduced to the idea a couple of episodes back that these angels they could be killed and they just sort of zap themselves and reappear somewhere else and here we get a big fight where a seraphim is trying to take back genesis and attack the two angels in this hotel room and visually and the way that it plays out, I loved it. it it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. It was awesome. Though the, the Seraphim's there not to get Genesis is just to get the angels. Right. Cause I don't think she, the Seraphim doesn't know that Jesse has the power. He doesn't use it or doesn't show her, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, it's amazing that preacher never gets, like shot because he can't reinvigorate. Yeah, no, that's true. But he's he's wily. He gets out of the way. Yeah, lucky little lad. Yes. Um, so uh, what uh, do you? That's all you wanted to say about that sequence? No, you I love it. Away, I, but I thought it was great. Yeah, um, yeah. I love that the bodies hang around even though mm-hmm. they uh, they get they appear in a flash of light. Uh, yeah. Really great, like super visual. Um, very, like this series is so fun. It's just like they go as take it all the way 
as far as they can visually and it feels like very comic booky at the same time like this scene is great yeah, I mean, what I really loved about the hotel room, motel room, excuse me, fight in particular is how that dare you? It's, it's a motel. Those, I'm sorry, I don't want to insult hotels like that. Was that? Yeah, I was watching it, and as you're watching it, you think, "Oh man, I hope they really build it up where they keep getting killed and keep showing up in different places." And I, then they do that, and then, "Oh man, I hope they pile the bodies up." And they did that, and then the way that they push it with just pulling out through that gun hole. Uh, and you see just everybody fighting and going by and you get the sense of the fight without actually seeing the fight was awesome. Like you said, just visually the way that was done comedically, it's very hard to do a comedic action sequence exactly right. And I think they completely nailed it here. It's great. Yeah, I agree. So good. Cool. Uh, Well, cool. After that though, a lot of other stuff happens. Uh, There's a scene where Jesse and Cassidy bond, uh, both completely soaked in blood that I also really liked as well. I don't know if that jumped out to you. Yeah, it's not. I mean, they're like they're. That's the scene where they're in their underwear. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, they're like. It is funny that they were such fast friends because they feel like they've known each other forever. Yeah, I, I think that's what I liked about the sequence in particular is that they they bonded. We talked about this on the first podcast, but they bond really quickly in that bar fight at the beginning and then decide we're best friends forever. Yay. And there's not really any talk about it or not really any development of the relationship. They're just intrinsically bonded with each other. So it's, well, nice it's like when to you see- and I met, we said, we looked at each other and said, we're best friends forever. Yeah. And we did that we're... scene from Step Brothers, right? Our favorite movie. Yeah, that's right. Our favorite movie. <laughs> And obviously our favorite band is yep. still Offspring. Yeah. Yeah, it all, it's all coming together. Uh, but uh, that said, I, just, I like the idea that we're actually getting to see them develop a relationship because really most of the time one of them has been unconscious in, when they've had scenes together. So seeing them interact and be friends I just think is it's nice. Um, on the other hand, some stuff goes down with Tulip that – fractures the relationship or potentially I think is going to fracture the relationship with Jesse and Cassidy, uh, both where Tulip decides to help out Emily. And then later on Tulip and Cassidy will realize that they have a mutual friend, so to speak. Uh, how'd you feel about everything going on with Tulip? Uh, I liked it. It's interesting. Um, so she goes to, to talk to Emily. You guys talked you and Pete in a previous podcast about how Emily doesn't really fit. In this yeah. show, and I feel like that's totally true. She feels like she's from another, like a uh, a totally different show, yeah. or she's like an observer who just is suddenly got got caught up in inside the show. She feels very like girl next door, very modern. When the rest of the characters feel like uh, out of the past a little bit, or like in a comic book, and she feels like she's uh, a weather girl on the news or something. Yeah. I mean, particularly when you see Tulip and Emily together, it just doesn't quite fit. Like, to your point, again, I like Emily, and I think she's a good character, and I enjoy watching her. But at the same time, you just have these hyper-real characters with Tulip and Jesse and angels fighting and bodies piling up and crazy things happening. And even what – you know, if there was like a – I'm not thinking of a good example because it's not exactly right with Parks and Rec or The Simpsons or something like that. But if you had 
a couple of kooky characters in a town and then everybody else was really normal as straight men, that would be fine. But everybody is so ludicrously over the top. Even like Kin Cannon, who has been this resident of the town for a really long time, he's not a normal businessman flummoxed by everything that's going on. He's killing people just in front of whoever and doesn't care. So clearly everybody in the town is living in, as you rightly put it, I think, in this very comic booky world except for Emily and maybe Miles. Yeah. I mean it's sort of like if Lisa Simpson was live action and the rest of the characters were still animated. It'd be like, that's a weird choice. Yeah. That's what Emily is. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that said, uh, the scene with Tulip and Cassidy, I liked a lot, but just because it sets up a lot of stuff, I think. Yeah. It's interesting. We have like, now we have all this, like they have multiple love triangles, uh, flying around. Yeah. We've got like Jesse, Tulip, Emily, and then we've got Cassidy, Jesse, Tulip. Uh, so I was surprised at the sort of the, uh, romantic farce nature of the show, this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's eventually just going to become like a uh, slamming doors type thing. Wait, what's the actual term for that? The uh, far a farce. Yeah, but slamming doors. A, yeah, is it, do you, yeah, with a farce. Never mind. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, you can go back to high school drama club and uh, ask them. Yeah, I'm totally going to pull a never been kissed just to find out what this term is. Cool. I don't know what that one is either. So. Never been kissed. You've never seen yeah. Never Been Kissed, the hit Drew Barrymore movie. Um, no, I don't think I've ever seen that. Huh? You should really check it out. It's a classic. Oh man, you've got a lot of great recos today. <laughs> this isn't just a preacher podcast. This is where people come. It's a home for all of these great interests. Yeah, ever since the death of the video store, people have been wondering, where's a place I can get really cool personalized recommendations of movies? Turns out, it's our Preacher podcast. Yeah. Sweet. We should talk about Eugene. So last episode, we... uh, I don't remember if you and I disagreed exactly or agreed on this, but... I think the general feeling is that there's a divide between how Eugene acts and how Eugene thinks about having committed suicide and how he relates to the world in general and how everybody else relates to Eugene. Because Eugene is this generally very happy, sunny guy. He went through something horrible, came out on the other side um, as um, just embracing life. But nobody else wants to relate to him. Everybody else feels uncomfortable with him. And that comes to a head this episode. Yeah, um, it's I, this episode I was stressed for Eugene. Like It felt like those kids wanting to be friends with him is a trap of some sort. And he went in that too. But I thought we were going to see like just another cruel uh, bully kid moment. But we saw this like nice firework thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really sweet, and you get to see Eugene like be genuinely happy for a second, which is amazing. I feel like he doesn't have those moments very often. Um, yeah, it certainly and, made me wonder what what Eugene's relationship was to the town pre-Shotgun, because he's the sheriff or chief of police. I don't know exactly what it is, but sheriff, uh, sheriff's son. So you'd imagine he's probably a prominent member of the town in some way. People probably knew who he was. So 
did he, were these kids friends of his? Did people know him or did they hate him? And that's why he shot himself. Uh, we don't know yet, you know, but it definitely that scene in particular made me wonder about that and want to know more about pre Eugene, what happened earlier. Yeah. I mean, to me, I've imagined him to be like sort of the town, like goody two shoes or like uh, sort of a boy scouty type guy who then surprises everyone by trying to kill himself. Um, so I feel like he was maybe a little bit of an outsider. I don't think he was like a jock or like the coolest guy in school or anything. So I feel like he was a little bit of an outsider and now he's firmly mm. an outsider. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see if we see, but then, uh, regardless, or maybe we won't see because some terrible shit happens to him at the end of the episode, um, where he, uh, pisses off Jesse uh, trying to get him to take back what he made Terry Loach do, which is he made Jesse made Terry apologize and forgive Eugene. But uh, I think Eugene doesn't feel like it's in earnest. He felt like it was cheating. So he told him he shouldn't force people to see the light. And that frustrates Jesse. And Jesse, using the voice, tells him to go to hell and Eugene disappears. So what do you think happened? Do you think Eugene actually went to hell? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's in hell. Now, whether that, I guess we'll find out next episode, um, and I have no idea, I haven't watched ahead, if that's like his own personal hell or if it's actual hell. Because mm-hmm. uh, in the episode, it cuts from that moment to uh, this, this burned out car and with Donnie, I guess, hiding the bodies from the people from last episode. Uh, that King Cannon kills, and I, I for a second I thought Eugene was in like a, a literal hell, the actual hell with these like burnt up bodies, but mm-hmm. obviously that's not true. Yeah, um, what I thought was interesting about the scene in particular, and correct me if you feel differently, but I feel like Jesse learned this episode that the thing that is inside of him is not the thing that he thought. So again he's been kind of brought to the precipice of, am I doing the right thing if this voice that I'm using is not the voice of God, so it's not explicitly the will of God, then when I use it on people, was I making them do the right thing? And Eugene is thrusting that in his face. He's saying, you're cheating, you're not doing this right, you're doing the wrong thing, and that plays on exactly what Jesse's fear is right now, which is that maybe he's serving the other guy. I, I know I know, we're not exactly talking about like whether it is the voice of Satan, and we know it's not the voice of Satan, in fact, but he knows that this thing is at least half demon versus half angel, so is it good, is it bad, is it something in the middle? We don't know. And I think that's why Jesse is pushed to the end. That's why he ends up telling Eugene to go to hell. See, I feel like uh, – I mean I agree with a lot of that. But I don't think he – Jesse seems too concerned with whether it's uh, God or the devil or wh- whoever. I feel like he doesn't even – he's more interested in serving his father's vision rather than mm-hmm. any sort of religion at all it seems like. And the reason he gets so mad at Eugene is because Eugene is challenge, challenging his like – his rightness or his ability to, to use this, to, to do what he wants. He's shattering this vision he has of this perfect son that he's going to be Mm -hmm. when he gets all the people to come to church and making people's lives, changing people's lives for the better. So, I I mean, it's interesting that this show is, has so many religious elements, but 
it, the main character doesn't seem very interested in religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's where his head is at. I don't think that's what he actually wants out of his life. I think you are right, and as we are going to find out, it is something that he feels he has to do rather than should do. But at the same time, I do think religion is an inherent part of his character. I think he is wrestling with faith and wants to find faith and wants to find something to believe in and wants to find that there's a higher power. Um, Eugene, though, is uh, in some dire straits, regardless. Regardless of how Jesse feels, Eugene is in hell right now. And as you say, we're certainly going to find out soon what's going on with that. Yeah. And it's interesting, uh, though, because Eugene is also being the most religious. I think I said, mm-hmm. let's talk about this a little bit last episode. Like, he is saying, like, we can't cheat. We have to do the right thing. You can't just force it on people. And that also aggravates Jesse. Like, this kid who he is annoying him is, like, has faith, is the most religious person in his life. Yeah. I, I mean, in a certain way, Jesse is looking at, the, at Genesis as a shortcut is shortcut to doing the right thing rather than he doesn't want to help these people. We saw this back with, I don't remember what his character name was, but Brian Husky in the first episode where Brian Husky was just pissing him off. He was just asking him all these questions and Jesse doesn't want to deal with that. He doesn't want to deal with the actual long-term I'm here. I live in this town. This is my job. I am the preacher. I'm going to help these people. Even if it takes the rest of my life, he just wants it to happen now. He wants to do it now, and that's what Genesis has provided to him. Well, and he doesn't even care what happens to these people for the most part. Mm-hmm. It seems like he just wants to look like a good preacher. Yeah. He doesn't care to, like, if anyone's life gets better. Like, that's why he's so down with this shortcut. Yeah, I'm always down with the shortcut. You know me. Yeah, especially um, when it comes to podcasting. We're always down with the shortcut. Sweet. Uh, before we take a total shortcut, anything else you want to discuss about the episode? Uh, yeah, I think um, the it's weird to me that Cassidy's a vampire, and that's just is totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not referenced. It's not like it's sort of the whole show is about it, like using Christian uh, genre as the genre they're playing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the world they're playing in and vampire doesn't fit into that and, and not that it's it's fine like it's sort of funny that he's just he's like literally dropped into this world and does not fit except he does fit with Jesse and and Tulip yeah um, but I I just feel like that's something if I'm Jesse I'm like why man you believe it God's real what's up with vampires though what's your yeah deal? Uh, totally one hundred percent I mean it's it's any other show, whenever vampires are revealed to be real, it's like, whoa, this opens up this whole world of monsters, and what does this mean, and what is our whole philosophy, and what is the mythology of the show, whether it's Supernatural or Buffy the Vampire Slayer or any of those shows. But here, anytime somebody finds out Cassidy is a vampire, they're like, huh. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And, and there's even these big things like, Clearly, there's some sort of cabal of vampire hunters who are chasing after him based on what we saw in the very first episode, how he was introduced. But that's never been referenced again. Well, it's been referenced again. He thought the angels were after him that way, but they haven't shown up again and they're not looking for him. So, like, 
yeah, exactly to your point, how does this fit in? There's this main line of the mythology with Genesis and everything that's going on with that that makes sense with religious mythology, or at least Christian slash Catholic religious mythology, but vampires are not quite in it, or at least not that way. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, it's weird. And, and I also like vampires traditionally like not down with crosses and churches. Cassidy's mm-hmm. just like chilling in a church and like serving the preacher. So like, I don't know. It's, it's funny. I, that's why to hear you say that I'm surprised. I thought maybe that would come up and become a, a plot point or a, a moment later, but it seems like maybe not. Yeah. I mean, to, without spoiling too much, the, it's not something I don't think if I remember correctly is dealt with too much in the first season. There's definitely like backstory for Cassidy that is dealt with in the comic book and stuff that we find out there about him and how it ties in and everything. Um, but just going from a biblical basis and certainly somebody could correct me if they like, and I'm sure they will. Uh, but I, I don't think vampires are in the Bible. There's, zombies or there's a form of zombies that are in judeo-christian mythology that certainly exists but or at least the undead coming back to life zombies not necessarily using that name um but there's not like wolfmen running around attacking jesus and him firing silver bullets at them or anything like that that'd be awesome if the bible just jazzed it up a little bit with some of that stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that would be pretty sweet like put some pictures in there uh yeah, have a twist. Maybe Jesus is a is a, a werewolf. Right. Maybe he is a vampire, and that's how he comes back after three days. Oh, that makes total sense. That's why he's always it isn't offensive. It's not offensive to our religious listeners either. No, absolutely not. Just as the joke I was about to make about turning blood into wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty Jesus. sweet. All right. Uh, before uh, we go, we should get to our next section, Revelations. So what was your big takeaway from this episode? What is the big thing that you feel like you learned or liked or questions you have going forward? Uh, I love, first off, I love a good uh, church sign um, pun or church sign joke. Like this show is great about having those. Uh, Growing up in upstate New York, we would always be driving past the 500 churches that are in the countryside up there and Uh always putting like, uh, what is missing from CH space space CH? You are. I didn't realize that was a thing, like an actual thing. Oh, hell yeah. It's like a way to get people. There's the classic one are like the turn or burn messages. They're like threats, basically, like come to church or else. But then other oh, other churches do more like like fun, jokey ones, like the one in, in the episode, uh, in this episode. Nice. Uh, but sorry, was there one more thing you wanted to talk about or was that your, uh, yeah, I mean, like we talked about, like that opening sequence is just so fun and it points to why I think this show is so successful. It mixes all these like crazy elements that don't really fit together per se, but it's just having so much fun doing it that it works. Yeah. Yeah. You mean the motel room fight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's. Like I said, that is my favorite sequence of the entire first season. I I love that whole bit, the way it's filmed, the way that plays out, all the characters, the way it's choreographed. It's superb. Yeah, superb. 
Superb. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to support this show and other shows that we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night in New York at 8 p.m. That's totally free. Please come down. We'll talk preacher with you. We would love to do it. Justin, what else do you want to plug? Uh, follow, uh, check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at comic book live. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. And um, Pete, wherever you are, I hope you're learning more about God. Oh, shit. Last episode, I told Pete to go to hell. (gasps) We gotta go get him. Road trip. Road trip.